Hello, and welcome to the Anti-Fragile Tarot Podcast. This is your resident card slinger, Susanna, here with another episode. Uh, today, I have had on my mind lately gatekeeping in magical communities. Um, I, I know this is, again, one of those things that I've kind of touched on in other episodes, but I wanted to devote a little bit more specialized and focused attention to it. So what do I mean by gatekeeping? Um, you might be familiar with the concept of gatekeeping as it pertains to, say, women in video games, um, you know, or nerd stuff. Like, I can't say that I'm a Star Trek fan without people getting in my... I mean, I don't do it very often. I haven't experienced it, but I partly don't say that I'm a Star Trek fan too often because I don't want people to be like, oh, well, if you're a real fan, can you tell me blah, blah, blah. No, I enjoy the thing. I watch the thing, I spend money on the thing, that makes me a fan. Um, but this doesn't just happen in nerd communities or music communities, this also happens with witchcraft and magic. Um, even in my little Facebook of Shadows group that I have, it's private, don't bother searching for us, um, we, like, we have a few new members and that brings some new perspective, which is great. Uh, we have people who are more on the, I guess, the more popular kind of witchcraft and magic right now, which is a little bit more fun and less say fair and perhaps even more atheistic. And then we have people who are a little bit more super serious business. And um, we're doing some book club books. So we just did Jason Miller's Elements of Spellcrafting, which I talked about in a previous episode, which is really great. Even though it's serious, it's still very accessible and funny and there's cartoons in it. Like, I think it's a really good middle ground for the kind of thing I'm talking about. You know, it's not a super dry esoteric text, but it's still pretty serious and solid. Um, and on the new one that we're doing this month is a book called Basic Witches. Uh, I haven't really started reading it yet. I did pick it up, but I just finished my semester of school. So I'm still kind of adjusting to life without having to study every second of my day. Um, and working a lot at my day job, as well as a super special thing I'm going to devote an entire episode to next week. Uh, so stay tuned, but there's some big things happening with Anti-Fragile Tarot. Anyway, so I haven't started reading this Basic Witches book, but there's already been some discussion in the group about how even for those of us who are pretty accepting of this, you know, fun, pop culture-y witchcraft, uh, it's still a little bit maybe wa not watered down precisely, but, you know, it's, it's very intro level. And that's, that's fine, and that's great. Like, we are definitely going to encounter more entry-level witches who would like some input and info. And this book seems like a pretty good place. It's um, more inclusive of gender and sexuality diversity. One of the authors is an atheist witch, which is a perspective that I feel we don't really see enough of in magical communities, even though not all of us are theistic. And... Um, you know, it made me think, like, the discussion didn't get too heated in my group, but I've, you know, I belong to, I mentioned a, a larger magical group, and I, now I'm in a few tarot groups as well, and there is a really significant amount of gatekeeping that happens. So, again, gatekeeping, I keep saying this word, that's when you're established in a community, you're part of the community, and for whatever reason, you might feel threatened when 
someone claims a stake in the community but isn't as knowledgeable or experienced or well-versed as you in the subject. And instead of including them and teaching them and appreciating where they're at, whatever level that is, uh, instead of that, oftentimes with gatekeeping, these people are shunned, ridiculed, made to, or held to higher standards than other members of the community. You know, I know there's super serious practitioners who would never miss a, a Sabbath or a full moon or a new moon or an esbed or any of those things. But really, can you tell me that in your own magical practice or tarot practice or divination practice or whatever your practice is, that you've never missed a beat? You've never, you know, half asked something or got had a shortcut or just straight up didn't do something because you didn't feel up to it you didn't have the materials whatever the case was so none of us are perfect in our practice it's part of why we call it a practice because we're practicing it we're trying it we're trying new things so I really feel like we should be more inclusive and you know I think that with witchcraft and the occult and esoteric in general it can be a little harder because for a lot of us, this was something that we had to hide, um, whether from our parents, from our friends, from society in general, our schools, um, whether this was something that if we didn't have to hide per se, we still got maybe mocked for, or shunned for, or viewed as weird. Um, you know, this happens even with people who aren't witchy necessarily, but whose religions might not be, you know, the, the dominant one of Christian. Um, and you know, for those of us who have been through some of it, you know, we, we also see this in the LGBT community. Um, now that the LGBT umbrella is becoming much more inclusive, you know, LGBTQIA is the current accepted alphabet soup. And I have, you know, I, I call it alphabet soup. I'm not, I'm not trying to be the most super serious business. It was alphabet soup when it was LGBT. But um, understanding that our umbrellas should grow, that the people who are coming after us shouldn't have to go through the same things that we went through if we had to go through ordeals. Not that there's not a place for ordeals. Um, they have a, they have a fine tradition and you know, sometimes there's things that you really have to learn by suffering it yourself. But that doesn't mean that we should be mocking or shunning people who we perceive to be less serious. Just because it's not how we practice, just because we might hold ourselves to a higher standard, doesn't mean that it's our standard to make. You know, those are, that's a very personal thing, how someone chooses to practice their craft. And I don't really think it's useful or helpful to anybody to insist that we must all be, you know, super serious all the time. And, um, you know, I, uh, I've seen this happen more so online, but I know that it happens in person. I just knew that it would happen so much in person that I never even really reached out to a wider community because um, I don't feel like my practice will be taken seriously even though it is my own and it's important to me and it's part of my identity and it's part of my business 
it's my life, you know, I, um, have a lot of stories, have a lot of experiences, but there's a part of me that will always feel like it's not enough because, you know, I didn't get sky clad under a full moon in the tide and do this and do that. But I even see this with people I do consider to be much more serious practitioners than me. If they're doing something novel, if they're developing their own magical system, um, one magician in particular, Alice Hart, who I really like, uh, you can find her on Patreon as Ace of Hearts, A-C-E of Hearts, H-A-R-T-S. Um, she's doing a lot of fairy tale work right now that started from the TV show Once Upon a Time, but has taken on a lot more than one would think from its origins. Um, she created a hyper sigil, which is... I think I've gone over sigils, but the, the gist of it is a sigil is a, it's sort of a, a charm that you create with an intention or a desire. Um, my sigils often look like little creatures that can go and do my will, but that's my personal style. Um, that's almost crossing sigils and servitors. Um, hyper sigils usually take the form of a story or a song, um, Grant Moore, or an album for that matter, Grant Morrison's The Invisibles is a, a hyper sigil. Uh, you can hear him talk about that for any of my comic book fans out there. Um, but, you know, I really consider Alice to be an extremely innovative and serious practitioner. And there's people who've been giving her a lot of crap because, I don't know, they think fairy tales are stupid. What we're doing is all kind of silly if you really think about it no matter how deadly seriously we're taking it at least some people are going to think that this is absolutely absurd um you know i have this gray cape that i put on my wish list it's like a cloak with a hood it's very very you know witchy looking and it was given to me from my wish list as a gift um i had it on like low priority i think and not for nothing i feel really campy and silly when i'm wearing it and I purposely go and make tarot a business practice. So, um, you know, we all have those limits, but what's not okay is to impose those limits on other people and say what they are, can or cannot be or do in order to be taken seriously. Another issue that I have with this is that we often seem to really gatekeep with younger people, particularly younger women. Um, I will say that I do enjoy how many queer people I see coming into the magical community, people of really diverse gender and sexual identities. Um, but femmes historically tend to have their interests devalued. Um, consider, I don't know, any number of jobs where the majority used to be masculine and when women got into the field, it became devalued or vice versa. When women popularized a field, it was considered low-level work, but when men started doing it, all of a sudden it was prestigious. Um, computing is like that. Food is like that. Fashion design is like that. You know, many famous fashion designers are men 
but women who designed and sewed all their clothing and all their children's and possibly their husband's clothing, they don't get the same recognition. So that too, I feel like winds up extending into witchcraft. Um, there is an article that a member of my, my group and I didn't really see eye to eye on it first. It was like a reductress article about, you know, how to, how to make witchcraft the basis of your personality or something. I thought it was kind of funny because, I mean, it's true. There, there is a lot of witchcraft for the aesthetic lately. It doesn't really bother me because what someone else does with their time and their aesthetic and their body really doesn't have any bearing on my practice. Like, the people who are going to look at them as a bad example of witchcraft wouldn't know what real, what real witchcraft is anyway. They wouldn't understand what I'm doing. They wouldn't understand a lot of things. And that's okay. They don't have to. Um, so it doesn't really devalue witchcraft to me for someone else to be more lighthearted or more of a dilettante about it, or even just to use it for the aesthetic. But um, even so, I thought it was kind of funny because I do recognize aesthetic witches. And, you know, I do think it's a little bit silly sometimes. But again, at the end of the day, it's not really my place to judge. And someone else in the group was really offended by this. And she or they made some really good points about, you know, this, it seems like another excoriation of women for enjoying things. Um, and I feel like that's something that really happens with witchcraft. You know, a lot of witchcraft is focused on gaining or regaining personal power and agency, protection, um, whether offense or defense. And that is often the purview of women who are seeking power however we can get it. And femmes, not not just, you know, sisters, not sisters, etc. But it's important that when we're, you know, maybe mocking or looking down on or scoffing at something that we come across, whether it's an internet article or, you know, someone we see walking around or someone we see in a Facebook group, you know, take a look at where they're at in their journey. Take a look at why you're having that strong reaction towards what someone else is doing. You know, it's one thing if you feel that what they're doing is inherently disrespectful. I don't find that someone dressing in a stereotypically witchy sense and maybe even wearing a pentagram is disrespectful. It's a pentagram. It's, it's a symbol. It's not a particularly sacred symbol in all honesty to me. Um, there are people who will disagree, just like with tarot cards. Some people might be appalled at the way that I store my tarot cards. I've never done the wrap it in silk and put it under your pillow thing. They're not sacred to me like that. Most tarot cards, I would say like 99% of tarot cards in the world, are mass-produced in factories. These were not handcrafted by the gods spiritual items. You know, not to say that there aren't handmade decks and artists who make them and, and etc. But, you know, I have a much more pragmatic view. Other people will have a different view and that's fine. But I just feel like we should be saving that ire for people who are really being blatantly disrespectful. Um, people who are, you know, using Buddha heads for the aesthetic or people who, 
you know, really, it really comes down to respect and what we are and aren't disrespecting. And aesthetic is not really one of those things for me. Um, and I think that's what it comes down to because something I found very interesting about a lot of these, you know, the, like the, the basic witches book, which again, I flipped through and I've seen people discussing, although I haven't read it in depth myself, um, and other kind of beginner coded texts is that if they're done right, if they're well written, if there's been a lot of attention paid to them, they have a lot of good information about the basis of magical systems. You know, a lot of people spend years studying various systems to try to tease out the similarities and differences between them and what's underlying and, and what seems to be archetypal about religion versus what is more individualized, what makes this system what it is and what makes that system what that is. Um, again, something Jason Miller talked about a lot in Elements of Spellcrafting is why you can't just substitute anything for anything. Not to say substitutions are bad, but they will achieve different results. Um, and that seems to be what a lot of these kind of basic witchcraft books can do. You know, they're, they're made to be accessible and easily modifiable. They're made to be an intro. I've, I've very rarely seen one of these books that says that it is everything there is to know about magic. Usually, in fact, they make it seem impossibly dense to study. And it is, and it isn't. And I think that's perhaps the biggest thing that I would like to see changed about how we go about gatekeeping our witchcraft. It's one thing to stand at the gates. It's another to slam them against anyone who tries to come through. Standing at the gates, to me, means that you're there to help, you're there to guide, you're there to make sure someone's going where they want to go. Um, I've had people ask me for tarot card readings that I am not comfortable doing. Uh, past life readings, for example. I don't truly believe in past lives. So a past life reading from me is not necessarily going to be any use. And it's not my place to tell someone, why do you want something like that? Past life readings don't exist, blah, blah, blah. It's my place to say, you might want to check out this place. I think I recommended that, that they go to Catland and see if any of their, in Brooklyn, and see if any of their readers uh, had experience with past life readings. Um, you know, it's our place to call out scammy behavior. As a tarot card reader, I take a lot of pride in what I do. Um, even if I, I'm prone to playing around, I might say, I'm going to tell your fortune. I might say, I'm just going to read you the pretty pictures on the cards. But at the end of the day, I try to do what I do with honesty and integrity. And it really upsets me when I hear about predatory readers who, you know, foretell great doom and gloom and promise that they can cure you of this curse or whatever if you just buy blah 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 or subscribe to their you know course on how to protect yourself not to say that there aren't great courses out there that are worth subscribing to absolutely but we should not only caution newbies about what they might encounter 
But we should also call out this behavior when we see it happening, even if it's from our friends. And not just scammy behavior, but also, you know, unnecessarily nasty behavior. Um, Sure, in especially like in Facebook groups and stuff, it's really annoying to get the same basic questions over and over. Yes, this is what we have an FAQ for. But, you know, if you really don't like it, just scroll past. There's no need to be rude. But taking the, taking two seconds to go, hey, we have an FAQ about this, and maybe a sentence about this, um, that can go a long way towards having someone possibly become a very valuable member of your community. And even if you're not being that self-serving, just thinking about it as being a good deed. Um, I just, I really don't see any reason to to gatekeep as hard as we sometimes do. And don't get me wrong, like, I do see a lot of inclusivity in groups. That's why I still try. But I've seen enough of the opposite that my main group is still a secret group. Um, but, you know, on that note, I'd like to say that if you ever have any questions about the occult or, you know, particularly things that I'm more well-versed in, like tarot, um, the intersections of Judaism and witchcraft, you know, if you have any questions, please feel free to email me with them, antifragiletarot at gmail.com. Even if it's something that you feel might be a little silly or, or very beginner level, I'm not going to be rude about it. If I don't know, I will try to find someone who does and a link to someone who I th- think seems reputable. And if I do know about it, I'd be happy to talk about it. Um, you know, that's the, the other flip side of this. Um, I do worry sometimes about mentorship in the magical community because... I also feel like despite the fact that we all kind of have our own personal cosmology, we, we ha- all have our own personal gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, um, you know, the, the stuff that we have experienced and learned you know, more idiosyncratically, not so much something we've learned from texts or from other people or from established pathways. Um it's important to find a mentor who is going to encourage you to develop your own unique style. You know, it's fine if you want to try on what other people have done and what they practice and seeing if those beliefs suit you. It's, it's good. It's sometimes necessary or often necessary. But if you find someone who gets really upset whenever you deviate from what they believe. If you find someone who's trying to be pushy about you doing things their way, you know, it's different if you are purposely trying to initiate into a particular sect or religion uh, or order, you know, then you, you need to play by the rules a little bit more. You know, I'm not saying that you should always just go off and do your own thing. But, you know, if the people in your community are not supportive of variances in your beliefs, um, there might be something a lot more toxic in that community than it seems like. So, you know, be aware of your own community. Be aware of your part in it. You know, even if you 
don't participate as much. I'm someone who doesn't participate as much. Make sure that when you do, you aren't alienating someone unnecessarily or you aren't contributing to kind of that, that gatekeeping culture or a toxic culture where, you know, oh, I, you know, how can you worship in this way or why don't you believe this or blah, blah, blah. Um, there's a lot of different ways. There's, uh, this is going to sound kind of cheesy, but there's almost as many different ways to believe as there are people on earth. We all have different approaches. We all have different experiences. And those are vital and valuable to communities flourishing. Communities don't survive by being super insular. It does not work that way. Communities keep trying. It's very rare. Most of us are not Wakanda. So, and even Wakanda has outside knowledge, you know, um, I went over this in a previous podcast where I think it's important to try to step outside of your comfort zone a little bit. Try different belief systems. Um, a lot of people in my, my little group right now are actually trying stuff like daily offerings, even if it's something that they found foreign to them before. So there's definitely a place for this. And by trying these things, by listening to what other people have to say, even if these people are newer than you or less experienced than you or less well-versed than you, I think that you can learn a lot and it can deepen your own practice or change it. And that might be for the better. You might have more enjoyment out of it. So, you know, I really invite you the next time you encounter someone who's kind of a noob or well, we'll do one thing at a time. If you encounter someone who's kind of a noob, do your best to guide them, but not necessarily force them into a certain thing. You know, if they have questions, point them to a witch store that you recommend. Point them to some books that you've read and liked. Point them to some Facebook groups. If you are a noob, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions, but, you know, also make sure that you are comfortable with the people that you're asking questions from. Make sure that you aren't doing certain magical practices just because you feel shamed into doing them. Make sure you're doing them because they make sense to you. Um, you know, I sometimes like to uh, put my tarot cards or crystals out by a windowsill for the full moon. It's something that I like to do. If you do it and you feel really silly or stupid doing it, don't do it. You don't have to. It's not required. It's not mandatory. None of this is mandatory. Again, if you're doing a specific, you know, more strict religion or joining some kind of order, you may have specific things that you have to do to be part of it that you don't always feel very connected to or understand the reasons for. But if you are going down this path and you don't start feeling more connected to it or understanding the reasons for it, it may be that this is not the right path for you. So don't get discouraged. Um, start looking around, researching. You know, do try to find more reputable sources. Um, 
again, a, a good idea of a reputable source is one that's not trying to sell you a whole bunch of things. Um, for instance, I love Benabel Wen's website because she does have courses and offerings for sale and books and stuff and services, but she has so many other things there for you to work with that I don't necessarily feel like she's just trying to sell you something. Um, you know, and that's, that's the internet where you can take your time. It might be a little bit harder for you to go to a witch store and, you know, if you meet someone who looks the part and sounds the part and dresses the part and wants to sell you all these things, um, it might be harder for you to kind of take a step back and say, you know what, I need to think about this. I need to see if this fits into my practice. Um, you you got to trust your gut with this kind of thing, right? Isn't that part of why we're all doing witchcraft? We're kind of working on our, our intuition and our ability to open up our senses. So, you know, just remember wherever you are in your journey that there's someone newer than you and there's someone more experienced than you. Whether you've been practicing for 40 years or whether you just picked up a deck of tarot cards on Amazon yesterday, there's still someone on the other end of the spectrum from you. On both ends of the spectrum, away from you, actually. So keep that in mind. Thank you for listening. Um, you can see me this weekend, actually, June 2nd, at Garden State Plaza in uh, New Jersey. It's further than I normally go, so I unfortunately don't have a good way to tell you how to get there like I can with my normal markets. But we have a JC Oddity shop there, so you can hop on over to the JC Oddities Instagram, where you'll be able to get more directions over to our Peculiar and Paramus pop-up. Um, I will be doing readings there this Saturday, the 2nd, from 12 to 8. So hop on over. Uh, Midnight Market will also be there. There will be great food and drinks, so it's a lot of fun. Um, my readings will be by donation that day, not by my normal prices because of mall rules. So uh, suggested donations, but you know, you can pay what you want. So thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of the community by listening to this. You are probably part of the community, no matter where you are on that spectrum. Um, if you'd like to chat with me, again, email me antifragiletarot at gmail.com. Uh, if you like this podcast and want to help keep it going, please consider becoming a patron of mine on Patreon. I'm Antifragile Tarot on there. And five bucks a month gets you readings, monthly readings. They're great. Or at least I've been told that they're great. So uh, you can also just follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Antifragile Tarot. I'm that on both of those things. And um, again, thank you for listening, whether this is your first episode or whether you've listened to all of them. I really appreciate it. Uh, nothing makes me happier than when people tell me that they listened to and enjoyed my podcast. So have a witchy and or wonderful day. And I will be back next week with some really exciting news. Take care.